I'm Derek Thompson, longtime writer with The Atlantic magazine on tech, culture, and politics. There is a lot of noise out there, and my goal is to cut through the headlines, loud tweets, and hot takes in my new podcast, Plain English. I'll talk to some of the smartest people I know to give you clear viewpoints and memorable takeaways. Plain English starts November 16th. Listen for free on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. This episode is brought to you by Pure Leaf Iced Tea. Go beyond reality with new Pure Leaf Blackberry Iced Tea and discover a berry delicious world bursting with unexpected blackberry flavor. A world so full of refreshing blackberry iced tea that you may never want to leave. But there's always time to linger. Try new Pure Leaf Blackberry Iced Tea. Visit amazon.com slash pureleaf and enter 20 Pure Leaf for 20% off your purchase of new Pure Leaf Blackberry Iced Tea. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another The Pod Has Spoken episode. This is another off-season special where we are covering all things Micronesia with the most notable castaways from that season. I am here with my co-host, Riley McAtee. Riley, good to see you're still alive after this week's uh, NFL games. Uh, oh, man, it, it was close there for a while. I feel like was. I almost suffered several heart attacks during Maybe if you were an older games. man. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but uh, whenever somebody listened to this, they may not even know what week in the NFL we're talking about. But uh, I think you can guess. They can probably guess. Yeah. yeah. And like I said, we are here with notable castaways from the season of Micronesia. And our guest today, none other than Natalie Bolton. Natalie, how's it going? Hey, how are you guys? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm great. And you're in Texas now? I am in Austin right now. Yeah. I fly out tonight back to Los Angeles. Oh, okay. So you still live in LA. You're just yeah. in Texas for the time being. For work? I'm kind of I'm kind of putting my feet in both states. Oh wow. For for, for a bit. Yeah. I'm like a snowbird. It. Except for yeah. okay. Except for you're in like Austin a, in the cold. Yeah, exactly. And I'm just instead of snow, it's kind of like tumbleweed. Okay, you know? cool. Very cool. Uh thank you for setting the tone for us there. Yeah. Um <laughs> You and I have a little bit of personal history. We've met mm -hmm. in person. We've chatted for a while. Um, mm -hmm. You, and maybe this is unbeknownst to a lot of people, you were the alternate on Heroes versus Villains. Mm -hmm. I'm assuming Correct. you were going to be on the Villains Tribe. Mm -hmm. And my I understanding... Do you think? I mean, I don't know. I was on the Villains Tribe and I was a hero in my eyes. So I right. really have no clue how they even determined what or how or who you were. Uh, and my understanding was that it was for Courtney Yates. So if Courtney decided not to go, you were going to step in. Is that also your understanding there? Yes, yes. Did they mm -hmm. tell you that specifically or is that just like what everybody kind of assumed? 
Um, I think they did tell me that specifically. I, what they did tell me was that I was not a for sure. It's like, hey, let's fly you out. I flew out with everyone. Um, but knowing that it was a possibility that I wouldn't end up flying. Okay. So you knew that you were an alternate. Mm -hmm, correct. So they yeah. told you, they told you specifically you're an alternate or they said you may not play. Cause they kind of tell that to everybody as they go out. They're like, there's still a chance if you break the rules that you're not yeah. going to be on. If you talk, if you talk um, to or look at anybody or wink at anybody, you're out of here. Which is so funny because I am contrarian by nature. Like sure. I'm def defiant by nature, but man, first time around, boy, did I follow those rules. Oh I didn't gosh. say a word. I didn't even, I looked forward, did not look to the left, did not. Look, I took those rules so seriously, which is interesting. Yeah, Not and I tattletold on people. Oh, they were looking at me. Oh, they were weak at me. I didn't really, but I, I know people tattletold on me. And I was like, I didn't even do anything. I was just like, looked at somebody and they're like, that guy looked at that guy. Uh, so yeah, hey, you are terrified. Snitches, snitches get stitches. <laughs> I've heard that. I've had <laughs> stitches, but uh, not from being a snitch. Uh, so... The night before Heroes versus Villains game started, you had your bags packed, you were ready to go home, and it was like the middle of the night. And I couldn't sleep. And so I got up and we hadn't, nobody had talked because that's like, oh, we're so scared. Don't talk to each other. And so I go over to the like the, the communal cabana where mm -hmm. people would kind of like eat lunch and stuff in the day. And you were sitting there like waiting for your ride to the airport. And it was like, I don't know. It was early, like three or four in the morning. I yeah. I remember it was dark. And I got up and I went to that cabana and there was a handler there kind of chit-chatting with you. And I was kind of like, I assume she's going home. So it's not going to really matter if we talk. And then we just chit-chatted for a little while. Totally fine. The handler was like super cool with it. And uh, that's pretty much the only interactions we've had. But I remember it being quite pleasant. Not like someone who mm -hmm. would go for my jugular or anything like that. Just curious, was I target number one on your hit list if you would have been in the game? You're like, truth be told, what's your take? Actually, no, it was a pleasant experience. It was a nice exchange. And it's, it's kind of funny if you take it to the world of lockdown that we just went through for the last two years, like a microcosm of us not being able to talk to people, you know, on Ponderosa and, and, and at camp, we can't talk, can't make eye contact. So even just that brief exchange <clears throat> after a few days, it's so pleasant. It's like, oh my gosh, there's a breathing, living human being inside that body. I can actually say hi to, this is great. Hey, how are you? What's your backstory? How are you feeling? Okay, cool. Got to go. Bye. Like it's, it's refreshing, you know? And so <laughs> little did we know, like a microcosm of that kind of exchange would happen many, many years later, but yeah, it was pleasant. I didn't even think about your jugular. Didn't even think about good striking for it. That no, not not <laughs> in the close thoughts of my mind. So. Okay, yeah. I mean, some of that's subconscious and probably just like in your DNA, so you don't always probably think about it. It just happens. Uh, <laughs> maybe I no, don't know. I don't, I, here, let me just tell you this. Yeah. Every time I talk to people about my experience uh -huh. in my mind, it does. It, it did not even occur to me that people saw a bitchy nature in me when I'm going through the casting process, had no idea. Do you think they that, saw that then in the casting process? Because 
I never, like, I watched Micronesia and I watched the show and I never really have, like, too many strong opinions about anybody. And I didn't, like, that didn't cross my mind even when you were, like, traveling with us and when I was talking to you, like, that never crossed my mind. Like, oh, this is going to be, like, a bitchy person that's, like, going to come at me and, like, I, like, I just, like, it was fine. And I always tell people that no matter what you see on TV, 99% of these contestants are much better people in real life, especially the ones that like kind of get like the villain edit are surprisingly good hearted, good natured, very kind people. And, and so, yeah. And so that's kind of how I've always approached it. Yeah. I, I, I think watching the playback, I was kind of shocked because I have a sense of humor also, maybe not be everybody's cup of tea, which is totally fine, but mm. you know, I wouldn't, just, I wouldn't be able to relate to that. <laughs> you know, just saying like little off the cuff things and not everybody's going to get in. It's like, Oh my gosh. It's like, everybody just calm down, you know, yeah. just calm down. And so I, I think you, you, you hit the nail on the head. I think we have a tapestry of what our personalities are. Everyone has a beautifully woven tapestry, some more colorful than others. And they pull a thread out of the tapestry and that's what gets highlighted. And uh-huh. I think that thread got pulled for me and highlighted and watching playback. I'm like, Whoa, okay. That's interesting. You know? Yeah, so. I agree. I think my token chains edit was a very similar to like that, like one threaded, just like cold hearted, almost serial killer-esque, uh, like, yeah, uh, sociopath. And I kind of thought it was funny because I was like, oh, that's pretty funny how they edited that. Uh, but going back to your tapestry statement, who has the least colorful tapestry from Micronesia? Oh, my gosh. Well, funny enough. Mm-hmm. You know, Micronesia is a very colorful entity in and of itself. So, I mean, you pull any of those characters, everybody's pretty colorful. I've got to say, everybody's pretty colorful. Okay, Just the safe, from, the safe play. Really I'm safe answer, safe Natalie. Yeah, because <laughs> I'm, I'm nice. Yeah, you so, are. Yeah, really changing everybody's <laughs> opinion here. So diplomatic. But the thing <laughs> is, is... Speaking of colorful, you know, we immediately go to, on my tribe, mm-hmm. older versus young, immediately create diversion, like yes. the first 45 minutes we get to our island. Yep. And then I had no idea what was going on with the favorites. But I mean, as soon as the fans, we didn't know our heads from our asses. We get yeah. launched there. They never do. And it's... And it's literally like, okay, cool. We don't like you. We're against you. And I'm in the middle going, okay, I'm kind of in the middle of this, first of all, age demographic. And we have a long game to play. So let's just, again, everybody just calm down. So if you even just go back to fans 30 minutes in, colorful, so colorful. Everyone, everyone's doing the most. It really was a tribe of, yeah, colorful personalities. Um, were you a super fan? Were you uh, celebrating the show or, or what was your story through casting, et cetera? I was not a super, super, super fan. Um, recruited? I was, a, I was a fan. I was okay. recruited. Okay. Um, Where did they find you? I, I think, oh, they, they found me at 
this bar. Have you ever been to the Dime on Fairfax? I don't think so. It's a small little hole in the wall. Um, we were kind of known as... Well, here's the running theme, I guess. The bitchy dime bartenders. Because <laughs> mm, okay. it, it was the same five girls yeah. for literally five, six, seven years. Nobody could get a job there because we just held it down. That was our spot. We opened the place. That was our home. And so I think we were kind of known around town. Like, yeah, the bar's really cool, but the girls are a little, you know, a little tough, a little rough. Yeah. Uh, but they probably so, like that. Like that was part of the experience of going to the dime, right? I think so. I think so. I mean, some people just like being told what to do. You know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I know Riley does. Do you like punishment, Riley? <laughs> I have nothing to say. <laughs> no comment. <laughs> okay. So they found you there. Was mm -hmm. it like Lynn or somebody else? It was. Just a casting? Someone in casting? Someone in casting. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. Who knows if they work there or not anymore. Okay. So you got recruited. Had you been had you been watching the show before or not really? Or did you like do like a, a crush fest where you watched a bunch of seasons before you went out? What was it? I had seen the very first season. Um, I had seen Cook Islands and I had seen another season. So I had seen three seasons or so off and on. Okay. Cook's was my favorite. Cook Islands was my favorite. And then I kind of binged. I was like, uh let me let me do some recon because okay. I have no idea what I'm getting myself into. But I was excited because it, I'm going to say this really quick and succinctly. I was in a phase in my life where I felt really lost and had no direction. Um, I felt like I didn't have any purpose. Yep. And so this sounds really crazy, but I I literally had a screaming match with God, universe something higher than myself. And I was like, I don't know what's going on in my life. I need a life change. I'm lost. I don't have any direction. I need something to, I need purpose. And that was me setting up the bar on a Tuesday and like Friday, this yeah. guy comes in and says, Hey, wonder if you've ever thought about being on survivor. And I'm like, no. <sighs> and then my girlfriend who was bartending right next to me, she knew that I had the meltdown a couple days prior. And she's like, maybe this is the life change that you were asking for. And I was like, this is it. Maybe this is it. And I, I, I don't talk about this much because I don't have a lot of opportunities to talk about it, but it was literally one of the saving graces in my life. Um, because it got presented to me in a time when I really desperately needed it. I needed to dig deep to find out what was inside me. Cause I, I had confidence as a kid and lost it as an adult was kind of wandering aimlessly. And I needed to see if there was grit down inside. And it, it, it has truly to this day been one of my greatest gifts. I can relate to that because I need for myself uh, and for, like you said, a, a purpose, I need changes in my life and adventure and challenges that are different and unknown. And that for me is like the spice of life that keeps me driven and motivated and moving forward. And so like, I totally get that. I don't suggest this for everybody, but for me, having kids was like a huge, like I have a purpose now because I get to share all of my passions and love for the world with these kids. And I get to then relive some of the things that I've maybe 
almost fallen out of love with a little bit and rekindle my mm-hmm. excitement for some of that stuff. Uh, and so like, yeah, I totally get that, especially something like Survivor where it's like so unknown, such a huge adventure and a lot of excitement built around it as you're, you know, going through the casting process, getting cast, going out on the show, even playing the show and then waiting for it to air. Like it's like a year long of like mm-hmm. roller coaster of up and down and unknown and, and, and all of that stuff. So I totally get that. Yeah. So, uh, you go through casting, you're getting cast the whole time. Is this kind of what you're thinking is like, this is my purpose. This is what I'm going to focus on. This is like what I needed in my life. What, what is your, what is your motivation at that point for really, is that your motivation essentially, or, or was there more? Well, what was interesting is, you know, I had that little mini meltdown of feeling so directionless and I, like you, I need change. I need to feel like I'm constantly growing. I need to feel like I'm constantly being pushed. Um, and so when I had a little meltdown and my friend said, well, maybe this is the life change you were asking for it just comes in a different package than what you were expecting. I thought, Oh my gosh. So, you know, I went down, did the whole process. And at the time I had a 72 cutlass Supreme. This was cool. like Labor Day weekend, no AC, driving down to Santa Monica, driving down to the beach. And I'm like, I am going. I showed up sweaty because literally sat at that time, it took like two hours to get to the beach because everybody would go to the beach on those holidays. And so I'm sitting in my car with no AC. I show up and I'm sweating. I'm just a hot mess. But I had a peace knowing that if this was meant to be for me, then it will be for me. Right. And so I kind of just flowed through the entire process kind of in a cloud because I, I, I didn't even register the TV component of it or the TV aspect of it. For me, it was like, okay, what is it going to be like without a cell phone? What is it going to be like with me and my own thoughts for hopefully 39 days? What is this going to be like to dig deep? So I didn't even register the, ca- the casting process and going through all the interviews and all the testing and all the things that was actually a blur to me because that was not my focus. My focus was if this is meant for me to go through this interpersonal challenge, then it will be for me. That was my focus. Yeah. Part of me is when I look back on like my casting experience and, and similar to yours, I think there's something refreshing from the casting side about someone who isn't particularly a super fan. Because they come in with a different approach. Like like you said, like if it's meant to be, it's meant to be. I went in with the mindset that like, if you don't take me, it's your loss. Like I know who I am. And so mm-hmm. I, like for them, that's refreshing versus like, I love this show so much and uh, like I have to get on it. This is like my last chance to be a millionaire. And and like, so it's just like, I, I feel like a lot of times the recruits, and I was like partially recruited. Like I, I got an email address from someone in casting and then was encouraged by my family to like reach out to them. Uh, so, uh, but I think like the recruits, a lot of times they're kind of like looked down upon as like not being like not wanting it and trying to earn it and applying 20 times to the show. But I think they add that element of like, you know, like a more carefree and spirited attitude towards the entire thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I agree. I agree with that. So you get on this tribe of only fans, all fans, only fans. I don't know if I can. Yeah. 
Riley, you have a profile there. Because he likes punishment. We might talk to a contestant who has an OnlyFans page, but I certainly yeah. don't have one. Okay. So uh, you get on this fans tribe. At, at what point did you, were you like, oh, this is going to be like, there's going to be some returning players here. Did you ever like suspect that before you hit the beach and saw them? <laughs> so because I knew nothing, I could tell everyone else had their own little insider tips that they knew about. And I literally was the last one on the bus. I was the last one privy to anything. So for reals, until we got called on, you know, we, we canoed in, they canoed in from somewhere. And as soon as we were standing there in the rain and starting to see all these returning players, not until that moment did I even register what okay. was happening. I'm like, wait, um, there's Ozzy and there's Parvati and um, there's James. What's happening? Who's your favorite one to see? Like, cause you see like some of the fans reactions is like one person comes in. They're like, they're, they're my favorite. Like, did you have somebody that you kind of, even though like you weren't, like a super, super fan of the show. You'd obviously watched enough seasons and episodes leading up to that moment. Was there somebody that you were very excited to see? Ozzy. I think I was really excited to see him because just watching his season, I think at that time I had just seen Cook Islands. Yeah. I was, I was fascinated by him. Fascinated by him. And does that fascination still ring true to this day? It rings true as his, in his ability to play the game for sure. Um, but you know, you live on an island with someone and that kind of, that God complex kind of comes down a note because we're all at our worst, you know? And of course he's a beautiful man. So the men always stayed more beautiful than the women. We would just end up like, and the guys are like, how do you wake up like that? Living, you know, sleeping in a cave. It's so bizarre. But you know, when you're interact interacting with human beings, then they're taken off the 3D scope of the throne of the television, right? Just right. reality sets in. So yeah, he's a great, he's a great person, but you know, and he still plays a great game. So So we go to like you get on that beach first day, you see the fan, the favorites come out, and then we'll kind of fast track through here. We don't see a lot of you pre-merge. You're pretty quiet, laid low, not a lot of screen time. Was that on purpose or is the, there stuff you wish had been shown that wasn't shown uh, at that point? What is, uh, yeah, what is pre-merge like for you from your standpoint? Pre-merge, okay, so being kind of cast as a, you know, a little bit more of aggressive, mm-hmm. mouthy character. Did you understand that um, at that point? Like, I need to be out here and be mouthy? Mm-mm. No, had no idea that I know that yeah. that's in my nature, but I didn't know that that's kind of what they would have liked to see a lot okay. of from me or like the, Oh, she's going to be good drama television. You know, I, I didn't know beforehand in my apartment, I took the word out of Webster's dictionary for manipulation for, um, I, I just took these words that had negative connotations that I knew I had to kind of wrap my mind around being okay with like manipulation is not a good word, but if you look at it from Webster's dictionary, it's basically to manipulate and to maneuver something in your favor. It's benign. That, that statement's benign. So I had to really wrap my mind around, 
okay, I think I can manipulate to bend something in my favor. I had to really embody the feeling of, okay, what's it going to be like to manipulate someone? So I wrote big poster boards on my room, manipulation with the definition and looked at it every day to kind of even comes to terms with that. So cut to pre-merge. I know I'm a big personality. I come into a place with a lot of energy. I have a very big energy. I've always known this about myself for the good, for the bad. Instead of it being a weakness, I kind of try to use it as a strength now. And then I knew I kind of had to just tone it down a bit. And I thought the best things for me to do is to not not start talking smack to people day one. I've got a long game to play. So just lock it up and keep your mouth shut, keep your head down and work. And that's what I did literally for the for pre-merge. So when everybody's going back and forth between the younger and older fans and they're splitting up day two, day three, I was neutral. I'm like, I am just going to be neutral in this because you guys don't see the long game. We have a long game ahead of us. And this is doing us no good splitting ourselves amongst, like we're splitting our own atom right now. This doesn't make sense. So I really didn't have a lot to say. I didn't get involved in the drama. I didn't want to be a part of any drama because I had 39 days to definitely participate in drama. I I wanted nothing to do with it. And that kind of gets portrayed. I don't think I gave anybody a lot to work with because that was the game I had to play. I had to keep my head down. I had to focus. And I knew if I started getting caught up in the minutia of the drama, then it was going to be a downward spiral. I'm going to realize how hungry I am, get involved in the complaining and the arguing it just not it would not have worked okay, well. Well, I well commend you on your self control there in the in the early moments of the game. Then it is hard. It's hard to stay out of the conversations and and just be as neutral as possible. Um, we talked a little bit about the colorful characters on the side of the fans, and there certainly were some with Chet, with with uh, who was the big guy Joel and uh, Kathy. Oh. And uh, was there anybody in particular there that you got like a real kick out of? Like you were like, I'm glad I have a front row seat to this guy. All of the above. All of them. <laughs> All above mentioned, yeah. Anybody I remember, else that I missed? <laughs> I remember watching Kathy, you know, before we could speak, before we could interact. I remember watching her and she would have her headphones on playing. I think it was like, band walking band okay yeah marching band music but everyone could hear it because we're in total silence and we're all just sitting at the table kind of what like psycho she's listening to marching like, band music at, on her head on her walkman or discman or whatever was popular at the time yeah where do you even buy marching and band so we're, uh, cds like that wasn't even a downloadable let's spotify yeah. some marching band like you had to you had to be intentional with Correct. purchasing the CD, putting it in, yeah. and pressing play on boss, that shit, dude. right? So, <laughs> so gangster. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, that's some gangster yeah. stuff right there, right? Like zero yeah. Fs yeah. given. And so, I just remember watching her thinking, okay, I need to get into the head of but this But also person. knowing there's no way and, that you can possibly get in the head of that person. Like if they're listening to marching marching band music, like you're like, I'm trying my hardest to figure out like what in their life led to this moment of them listening to marching band music so loud in their headphones that everybody else can hear it. Well, and I'm a, I'm a puzzle solver. There was no solving this puzzle and I should have just given up. 
But once we got on the island and we're interacting, she, she proved that there was no solving the puzzle. But what also unfolded with her is <clears throat> she's an incredibly beautiful spirited person. She's, she's a remarkable human being. So colorful, her tapestry is bright. Uh, but she was so cool. She was so cool. So it's funny. And they're so brilliant with the no talking. You just kind of see people's nuances because what is it? I think 80, 90% of communication is nonverbal. 70, something like that is nonverbal. Very, very high. The majority of our communication is nonverbal. So they do a great job with not allowing us to talk. So all these things that just jump off the page at you in regards to the other contestants is stuff that sticks with you in your decision-making process when it comes time to make a decision or pull a play. You remember things that you're like, mm, Yeah, that is go. true. You and, know? Uh, probably when you turn off that mode of communication of the spoken word, probably all the other communication uh, factors are even heightened. And I always thought like they shut us down like that so that when we hit the island, we'd all be super anxious to talk to each other, but overly so that we immediately ramp into like, that's the annoying person. That's the, and like it, uh, day one, that's what happens because everybody is so excited to finally open their mouths. That's so true. Well, and I think that's probably a pretty good, you know, tactic too from production standpoint is we're just we're just so eager to say something talk you know i remember when we were having to run across the water to go you know jeff says okay you can go like we start running to look for the idol alexis i'm so curious about alexis because she was such a beautiful girl always such a pleasant look on her face just there was something magnetic about her and so i thought oh i want to get to know her and so we both merged up and met up while we were running. Cause I think we both were magnetized to each other and we started talking on the run. And that was, that was our connection right then and there at go right. with Alexis and I. So it's just, it's funny the things that pop out at you for different things about different people. Yeah. So you, so you have this bond with Alexis and then we see the tribe swap and then Alexis kind of builds this thing with Parv. Uh, mm-hmm. And then at what point did you really truly believe in the all-girl alliance? Was that as soon as it started getting built there with Alexis and Parv? Or were you still skeptical of it until they voted Ozzy out? Like, where was that moment where you were like, this is real and this is what we're doing? Like, who did you trust? How much did you trust them? Well, I'm going to go a little hippie woo on you, okay. but I will come back. I'll come back to center. So I believe in my casting process. I remember someone from casting asking me what my tactic would be. Okay. And I said, you know, I'm not going to play the played out flirt card. I'm not going to meet a dude and like link up with the boy. Oh, we saw a lot of know. that this season. So uh, we didn't, yeah, we didn't yeah. need more of that. And I didn't even know any of that was actually going to take place. I'm j- I was just looking from past right you know seasons yeah. and I'm like i'm not gonna play that cards played out well in casting they always um, ask people if they're young and attractive they always ask them like are you gonna flirt to get ahead and it's like they asked me that a bunch of times so i was like i mean if i feel like it's gonna serve me yes but that's not like my strategy right right like come up with like a 
stronger strategy. Right. Well, I mean, the strategy works. It works. Right. So it's not like it's not, it's a week, but just wasn't my strategy. And I said, no, I'm not going to do that. And they're like, well, what's your strategy going to be? And I thought, I actually want to disarm the women. I want the women to feel safe because as a woman, I might be going through my own personal challenges of how I feel being here as a woman by myself. So I would actually like to really feel safe, create a safe space for us women. And I said that in casting and manifesting months later, when it comes down to the wire where it's all women, it was kind of like, wow, maybe this was the divine plan all along. None of us knew it other than coming down to the strategy times of it, like where it comes down to actually strategizing it. But I was all, I was all in. All in. All the in. second you heard it, yeah. that was it. You knew. All in. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, that's good to know uh, because we saw that, you know, Parv, even though she was saying it in those moments, we were kind of like, is she going to stick with Ozzy and James or is she not? Until the moment we see Ozzy go, we don't fully understand that this all woman's alliance is actually going to stick. This episode is brought to you by Pure Leaf Ice Tea. Go beyond reality with new Pure Leaf Blackberry Iced Tea and discover a very delicious world bursting with unexpected blackberry flavor. A world so full of refreshing blackberry iced tea that you may never want to leave. But there's always time to linger. Try new Pure Leaf Blackberry Iced Tea. Visit amazon.com slash pureleaf and enter 20 Pure Leaf for 20% off your purchase of new Pure Leaf Blackberry Iced Tea. Let's fast forward to a little bit down the road. You had a relationship with Eric to a certain degree, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. and, uh, and the plan was always to get rid of him for you. Not, you know, not necessarily. I mean, everything was kind of, everything was kind of open because I didn't, I didn't have like a solid alliance. I, you know, my tribe from the very beginning was, you know, imploding from the inside out. So I was kind of just playing neutral enough to see what kind of proved to be the most legit and the most trustworthy and the most steady. And for the longest time, I didn't promise myself to anyone because I wanted to be as on the level as I could have been until I had to start deviating from being on the level, right. you know? So I, I kind of just, I'm an observer. So I like to sit back and take in all my options. And that's kind of what I did. So Eric, it was never kind of like, oh, Eric's gone. Once we came up with the female alliance then then he was on the on the block but he's such a precious person yeah. that was like and if you remember we all wanted to give him a good birthday because he was i think he was turning 21 or 22, 22. yeah yeah we wanted to have wanted him to have a good birthday and so we were all kind of like big sisters but also you know kind of toughening him up like a big sister would too it's like oh we love you we're gonna give you the best but Hey, here's some lessons. Yeah. Here's some lessons, man. Yeah. So, you know, and it's funny because people are like, Oh, I still get DMS now. I can't believe you did that to Eric. And it's like, do you guys not remember how wishy-washy he was? Yeah. Do you not remember how back and forth he was not able to be trusted because 
he didn't know what he himself wanted to do or was what, or what he was going to do that can't be trusted. So that's a threat. Yeah. And we chatted with him. Forget that. We chatted him, chatted with him last week. And I'm of the opinion that even if he got to the end, he most probably wasn't winning because he was so wishy-washy that nobody could Mm -hmm. trust him. He didn't really have a solid, uh, a solid contingent of jurors to really go his way. And so even though he's famous for this dumb, dumb move, and he probably, to a certain degree, is like, what if I could have had a million dollars? I don't think he was winning against probably mm-hmm. anybody there in that final five. Um, Riley, before we get to uh, the whole uh, breakdown of Eric's uh, you know, move from Natalie's standpoint, do you have any other questions uh, about uh, the moments leading up to, to that? Yeah, yeah. Leading up into that move, when Eric did the thing that was, he took Amanda on reward and he put Parvati on exile. And I guess my question is like, was there a chance that you could have worked with him and maybe like tried to get all fans at the end or something? Or was that like, was that pivotal or was that like to the gameplay or was it just like uh, this, this things because I didn't, you know, like kind of a personal thing because he didn't do what he said he was going to do. I think for me, I was so heated that he was bouncing all over the place. And for me, that again, wasn't a very trustworthy, I need to be able to, you need to give me your word. I need to know that what's happening here is what you're like, say what you mean me, what you say. And that lit me up that he took Amanda, um, not for the reward purpose, just for the you know, stick to it, stick to the plan kind of thing. Um, I didn't even think about deviating from the females. Like that was never an option for me. Even when there would be times where some of them would get wishy-washy and we'd be in the group. Well, maybe we should. And it's again, one of the, one of the girls are, is possibly thinking about dipping out. It's like, no, this is the whole reason why we need to do this because, we need to stay focused. It was never an option for me to dip out of the female alliance. Okay. Yeah. I, and, and I mean, what you just said is like the reasoning I gave Eric for him probably not winning is because you were upset at him because he had deviated. But if you wouldn't have taken Amanda, she also, cause he promised her the same thing he promised you. And we see that on camera. And if he did that constantly to everybody trying to keep everybody happy, I mean, uh, you all pretty much pointed it out. And that was part of the reason that you were able to even sway him to give up his immunity necklace from our standpoint. Um, so you get down to uh, final five and you had just blindsided Alexis. She was blindsided, but she was also injured and could barely move. Right. Mm-hmm. With her, she had mm-hmm. hurt her knee. Was that, was there any regret or like you, were you questioning, uh, you know, something else or that was just like, that's what you were doing. If I can remember correctly, I think I, I definitely was not happy about Alexis going home that even that night when we got back from tribal, I slept on the boat by myself. I was, I was heartbroken. She was my homie, you know? Um, right. But it was, it, sort of the next, I think he, I think she had to go because Eric won something where it was just like, there was everybody's hands were tied. It was Amanda played the idol. That's right. Oh, that's right. right. That yes. Right. Yep. right. I mean, Cause it was going to be Amanda went home, but then Amanda found the media. Uh, 
but there wasn't any talk of like, let's us fans, Eric, Alexis, and myself get together and go Amanda or Parv or even Sari at that point. You know, for me, like the vague, fuzzy memories that come back to me, I'm kind of like a bulldog. And if I am given a goal or I set my mind to a goal, I don't, I don't really, I get kind of tunnel vision and don't even think of other options. And so for me, there were no other options other than that female final four. So the fans would have taken another female out and that would have been Eric. And then that wouldn't have been the females. And the one regret that I do have is because I was so depleted and so hungry, my brain didn't even think of going to the end with Sari because we all were just under the assumption it was going to be a final three. And I was the next one on the chopping block. Didn't even think for me to go to Sari and say, bro, you're the next one. You're like, you're like, you're the third. You're not, you're not going to win this thing. So it's in your best interest to hook up with me. Let's do this. Take one of them out. And the odds work better in our favor. Didn't even think about that. So then I just kind of gracefully exited thinking it was a final three and that was my time to go and should have thought bigger picture. I just didn't have it in me to think bigger picture. Okay. Yeah. And that's true. And that's something we've touched on a little bit uh, in the podcast is that like, uh, as a viewer, you watch, you're like, oh, why didn't they think of this? Or why didn't they do this? Or how are they so bad at challenges? Uh, You need to remember nobody's eating, nobody's sleeping, everybody's on edge. Everybody's been paranoid for X amount of weeks. And you're just, you're essentially your body's eating your brain Mm -hmm. at that point. And so uh, you see a lot of brain farts later in the game. You see a lot of, uh, you know, missed opportunities for strategy and for gameplay. And it's truly the people who still can hold on to their mental and emotional faculties at that point that really go far in the game. Because uh, my experiences as well is that you get to the end game and over half the people have just started making these huge blunders Mm -hmm. because they just don't even know which way is up anymore. Well, it's almost like your mind and it's pun intended. It's a survival um, evolutionary tactic that your body pretty much will dispose of anything that's not necessary. Um, You know, when you're starving, sex goes out the window, procreation goes out the window because you need to stay alive and find food, that kind of thing. So, Is that the point when you guys got rid of Ozzy and James probably then? (laughs) Guys got to go. I I, I, I can't answer (laughs) that. We no longer have the drive. Get him out of here. I can't answer. I was not privy. (laughs) We'll ask Parv. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) But, you know, in in life, like I'm always 10 steps ahead. Always 10 steps ahead. Always 10 steps ahead. Yeah. But when you're without food, like you said, and your, your body is eating itself... All contingency plans that you would normally have, like, oh, okay, cool. I'm going to run to the store. And if the store's not open, then I'll pop over here and grab this and then head back to, you know, we have all these things that we do on the daily that's like, those contingency plans of like, oh, you know what? Let me have a contingency to possibly work with Sari if, in fact, it goes to a final two instead of a final three. Let's think, let's think about that scenario. It's sometimes it's just virtually impossible to, to expand your brain that much. And so was there talk? Was there talk about it being a final two? Because mathematically, you can break down the final days there and kind of, pretty much almost figure it out. I know they have days off and stuff, and they space them out uh, accordingly, and so it's not 
a for certain thing. But was there talk before it got to the final three that it could be a final two? Or was it only when those three got together with a day left that they were like, oh, maybe it's a final two? Do you remember having conversations while you were in the game that maybe it's a final two? Yeah, we were sitting around. And they were just taught, well, okay, it's going to go to a final three. And because I'm a newbie, I don't exactly know the breakdown, nor could my brain have even grasped it, probably, if, if, if I even knew. But we were all, the four of us, just sitting around talking about it being a final three. Now, hindsight, foresight, that could have been a tactic on their part to just allow me... Keep Sari with them. To keep Sari with them. Who knows? But I kind of just resigned to the fact that it was a final three. and. That's kind of the impression we all took on, I think. And I think, I think okay. they legitimately took it on too. And I remember I got so pissed at Suri. We're sitting around. I think I just started a fire and we were just like sitting around and trying to figure out what we wanted to eat. And it was just the four of us. And Suri, knowing I'm going home that day, Suri's like, well, can I get your vote? I'm like, um, yeah, let's... Mm-mm, mm. Yeah. Let's just not have this. She con- lost your vote right there. <laughs> I'm like, I'm she not ready to have this conversation right with you. She was like, I was just wondering, like, where you would. I'm like, mm, nah. Yeah, that's not great gameplay. But I love her. I love her. She's yeah. incredible. But I was like, I'm not here for this right now. I'm not having this yeah. at all right now. <laughs> I'm always of the impression when I get voted out that I do not want to vote for anybody, and then it just goes comes down to who I like most. Uh, yeah. Okay, so. Let's get back to the final five with Eric. So we have that moment where you're feeling betrayed because he didn't do what he said. And Sari, I believe, was the one that first voiced the necklace. Was that correct? Or do you, is, I think that's what we saw play out on camera. Yeah. Is that you're we all sitting on the sand? And I feel like I was probably picking something. I was always picking something. <laughs> yeah, you have to. Yeah, it feels like, so good. Yeah, it's like you just got to pick. And I think it was Sari that just threw it out like, well, Nat, you should do this. Like, if anybody can do it, you can. Mm-hmm. My immediate reaction was I was immediately pissed off. And completely, my intelligence had been, um, what do you call it when someone... Insulted. Yeah, I was insulted. Yeah. I was completely insulted. And so then Parv and Amanda start piping in. They're like, yeah, Nat, like, maybe just... I don't know, just see where he's at and kind of, and I'm like, okay, now I'm pissed and you guys are all effing with me. Like, this is not funny. And they're like, no, 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 we're serious. I'm like, um, no, this is not cool. You guys. And then, so they kind of started coaxing me and I thought, well, I have tried to keep my word as much as I could. And I kept from giving my word as much as I could. So I didn't ever have to fully renege on it. And so people would know like what I said meant, like what I said would go. I thought, well, (laughs) I mean, I'll give it a shot. And so I had a friend at the time. I I had a, well, I think the moment that sold it was that Sari and maybe even sold the idea to you was that Sari said, I'll tell him I'll vote with you and him. If he gives up the necklace, which I think was really the icing on the cake that really was the catalyst to even, you know, have a chance. Yeah. Cause all those little caveats needed to be in place to create a really tempting scenario for him. And, and I thought, you know, it, a friend of mine and I years ago, we used to always say, 
you know, you want to get the first parking spot. You want to get the closest parking spot. Don't throw too much energy at it. Don't just don't throw too like the white knuckling you were talking about earlier with like, I got to get cast, like don't throw too much energy at it. And so I kept thinking when I was talking to him, don't throw too much energy. Just like, just like let it fall off your tongue and let it land and then just walk away. And so I knew I couldn't be so, um, desperate to have him like, no, 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 this has to go down this way. So I thought, you know, we could just do this thing. And Sari already told me, so, you know, she'll vote with us and okay, cool. I don't, you don't want to do it. Okay, cool. Just, I, you know, I just thought I'd, okay, cool. All right. I'll see ya. Yeah. Right. And that's what, I mean, that's also what sold it because you're right. Like he would have, anybody would have felt it had you tried to sell it too hard. Right. Right. So it was masterfully played. It was, I thought, yeah, like a masterful execution and also like the perfect scenario. Like a lot of people really give Eric, even to this day, like 14 years later on Twitter, you're an idiot, Eric. But watching it play out on TV and me putting myself in Eric's shoes, I'm like, there's honestly a lot of validity here, especially if he's feeling maybe I can't win against Parv, maybe I can't win against Amanda, maybe I can't win even against Sari. Uh, maybe Natalie, like, I don't know, Mm -hmm. like there's a hierarchy there somewhere. And maybe he's feeling like if I don't take this move now, I'm just going to like be gone or not win anyways. And so I feel like even though he's given a lot of flack for it or get received a lot of flack over the years, I don't think it's too crazy, honestly, with, with your sales pitch, like it does make sense to a certain degree. Well, and Credit to the girls for even coming up with that idea. Had they, yeah. Sari, and then Sari doubling down on being like, hey, let me, you know, tell them I'll give them the vote, blah, blah, blah. Had they not even come up with that idea, none of that would have shaken down because, again, me being a new player, you know, you feel like there's like confines and rules to the game in which you can play and you can't do these crazy outlandish things. Well, we've all learned since. If you're making good TV, do it. There are no rules inside the game of yeah. survive. There are no rules. You you do what you got to do. And right. so kudos for them for even coming up with that scenario and that shakedown. And you, you got to think, we are all significantly older than him. He's 21, barely turned 22, around right. four older women that are kind of just... You know, we're kind of I just mean, moving our way older around. than him. Yeah. I wouldn't say older women, older than older, him women. No. Yeah. Older than him. <laughs> well, yeah. 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 Not like geriatric women. <laughs> yeah. We're all like, older women. He must care for us. No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we were all much older than him at the time. Yes. And, yes. you know, you got to think of a, just a really good hearted kid from the Midwest. Who's never been anywhere who's never been anywhere. He's wishy-washy about how to play the game. And we're all poker face. You know, I didn't know my next logical steps, but we're all poker facing this kid. Yeah. It it makes perfect sense that he would have done exactly what he did. Right. And I think so too. I think like, I don't hold him accountable much. Like his only strategy at that point was to win out. And then if he's even taking a step back and looking at it, he's probably not winning anyways. Right. And so, uh, and if you're selling all of that to him on top of him already, like thinking about it and having his doubts and stuff, then why wouldn't he like take a risk to win or 
not. Well, and then, and then him being a good hearted kid, guilt tripping him, like you've gone wishy-washy on us. We can't trust you. And just really breaking, (laughs) breaking him down. Right. How's the audience going to see it? Like all of it. You haven't earned anyone's votes. No one's going, you're not going to win. And he's like, yeah, Oh of course. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. So you go to tribal council. He hands you this thing after you guys were piling it on him and selling it to him. What was your feeling? Like, did you, at what point did you realize that? Because he was like, at tribal council, it seemed like he was kind of toying with it, but kind of like, probably not, but then did it. Like, is that how you felt? Was there like a little bit of a roller coaster? Like, oh, here it comes, here it comes. Oh no, maybe not. Oh yes. And then he hands it to you. Like, Okay. Walk me through all your entire emotions throughout that whole thing. Again, so going back to the beginning of my story, when I said I felt like I needed this life experience for my own growth and because I was in such a downtrodden place in my life, I knew that no matter where I placed in this game, it was already bonus because I'd already been gifted the life change that I needed. So anything where I felt was going to be bonus on top of me getting that prayer answered. Okay, so there's that. Cut to, we're sitting there and Jeff is so good because he will ask, okay, say you have something in your mind. You have something in your mind. Yeah. I'm voting this person out and you're, you're hell bent on who you're going to vote out. Jeff has the brilliance of asking a question that will either illuminate the whole rest of the tribe towards something but the person who's doggedly holding on to something, it will further reinforce their opinion about something. And so they go in deeper and stronger. So I remember Jeff, which is asking these questions. I'm like, don't ask him that because it's going to change his mind. Don't ask him that. It's going to change, you know, whatever he was asking at the time. And then I'm watching right. the jury. James was reacting as, yeah. you know, Eric's going on his thing of like, you know, they trusting and, you know, just to really just prove myself. And I'm just sitting there again, like, don't throw too much energy at it. Just, you know, just move your body a little bit. Don't have a look on your face. Like, but I'm looking at the jury and I'm like, Eliza, calm down. Like, yeah. And they're all telling him, no, they're all just like, like all of their, yeah. and I also put myself in Eric's shoes at that point, And I decided this was what I'm thinking. Eric's thinking is that he's watching the, he sees the jury react like that, but he's also telling himself they don't know the conversations we've had. So even though for them, it looks crazy for me, it's logical. So I like, I watched that and I was like, jury, don't give it away. I also thought the same thing, but then I also, as I take a step back, put myself in Eric's shoes. He, even if he's watching them, because I've had moments where I've seen the jury react like that. Uh, they don't know what's exactly going on in the game. So even though they're reacting, I understand their reaction, but they don't know. Yeah, no. It, and this, this is such the brilliant, key to psychology because it forces us. This is like confirmation bias. Like we have something in our head and we are, we are at that bias. Like, okay, 
the girls aren't going to vote for me. My bias is that if I give Natalie the necklace, this is going to be the winning home run for me to just give her the necklace. And then you know, my dreams will come true. <clears throat> that's his bias. Cause that's what we created for him. <clears throat> then you look at the jury and they're reacting. So that, that confirms his bias even more that, Oh, they don't know. They don't know that confirms his bias even right. more. So it's, the game is just so brilliantly a psychological experiment on where we all are at the time in our heads. And so for me, going back to the idea of anything after this point of getting this far as bonus for me, because I just needed this life change. I'm sitting there and I'm like, there's no way, there's no way he's giving me this necklace right now. There's, there's absolutely no way in any alternate universe that he's giving me this necklace right now. So I'm just sitting there like, okay, just, just go with it. Just go with it. And I'm thinking I, I I'm going to go home because there's no way he's going to give me this necklace. So he literally takes it off and starts to hand it to me. And I'm like, okay, don't be, don't overreact. And I'm just like, okay, cool. Yeah. No big deal. Like NBD, right? It's no big deal. Put it on. And I was just like, this is, this should not be happening right now. The jury's losing their goodies. They're just like going bananas. Jeff is sitting there like, huh? Wow. And then I'm putting it on just kind of like, okay, just remain calm before anybody can change their mind. And I'm just like hoping that he, Jeff hurries up and says something, something happens to solidify to where no one can renege and just sit there and breathe. Well, I think he's, I think in the rules, he's already given it to you. So it is now yours. Oh, uh, okay. So that was my question. Yeah. It was like, if you didn't understand that, then my next question is, is moot where like at that point where you're like, see ya, Eric. And he was like, dang it. But Sounds like you were still playing it very cool, making him feel very comfortable. Um, did you, I know in these moments, production behind the scenes at Tribal Council will sometimes, you'll audibly be able to hear them gasp as it's a uh, full. Did you get anything like that from the production crew itself? I think I personally, me, myself, and I was in such a vacuum just with my own atmosphere, taking the necklace, putting it on and to your last point, sitting there, holding it, waiting for, because there were so many blind sides in our season. I'm just putting it on holding and like literally doing a one, 1,000, two, 1,000, like, like just, just waiting for nothing to jump out of the bushes or something to happen to make this necklace not continue to be mine. I was in a vacuum. I heard nothing, saw nothing. Okay. The, 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 it gets to the point where I don't even see Jeff. I don't even see the jury. And I'm just sitting there like, <laughs> okay. Yeah. Silence. Okay. I like it. Yeah. And I think like, yeah, I mean, when you say that it does make sense. Like, cause you are kind of like hyper-focused in your, I went, I drew rocks at like final six and pretty much for the win. Like I knew if I got the right rock, I was probably winning. And if I didn't, then my chances were definitely much slimmer. And, uh, and it was the same thing. Like they production had told me like the entire production crew behind the scenes had been like, Oh my God. And like, they all reacted, but I was like hyper-focused on like what was happening in that moment and did not hear anything other than my thoughts and those people in the game's voices. Now that you bring that up, I'm actually curious if people were like even thinking, what was, what was Jeff thinking in that second, in that moment? Like, what was the production thinking? I, it's like, how is this happening? <laughs> how is this happening right now? 
I think as the day goes on with them seeing what could happen, they're definitely hoping it happens for their story. Mm -hmm. And so they're just like probably sitting on the edge of their chairs being like, please happen, please happen, please happen, please happen. And then when it does, they're probably like, a, like, yes, it happened type of thing is like my assumption. Uh, true, true. Okay. So Eric gives you the necklace. You vote him out. How stoked are you? Are you just like, like, because I'm assuming like, even as I'm talking to you and trying to put myself like in your shoes, like I can feel my heartbeat like increasing as I'm like trying to imagine like, is he going to give it to me? He gave it to me, but now with like my adrenaline's going so high and then you get back to camp, everybody high fives. Uh, is that, or was there like any regret, like, or sadness for Eric at all? I think there's an overarching kind of like excitement that it got pulled off. A huge feat just got pulled off. So you're kind of happy and proud for the four of us. And we're all kind of stoked and like, whoa, did that actually, we just saw like something magical happen right before our eyes. So there's excitement there. There's also a little bit of kind of like, sorry, Eric, like genuine, like, Oh, sorry, buddy. Yeah. You know, there's that, yeah. but one more little, probably not the last one, another little woo story. Um, on my wall that I put manifestation and had to come to terms with the word manifestation or not manifestation, manipulation, manipulate what that, yep. what that meant. I also wrote in a big poster board, like two big, two, three big poster boards, final four across and put it on my wall to look at it for however long I had before I left. I was like, I'm going to make it to final four. I'm going to make it to final four. I'm going to manifest making it to final four. So not just a college basketball thing. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Okay. No. Um, March Madness coming up very yeah. shortly. Um, but yeah, like I was like, I'm going to make it to final four. And that's where I set my sights again, bulldog, focus on something, make it happen. And so as soon as he passed me the necklace and as soon as Jeff says, well, I think I have a feeling that's a life lesson, you know, and it was kind of yeah. complete. I literally thought back to me writing final four on my wall. So I had attained and manifested what I had set my sights on. And I thought I did it. Never should I've been able to do that. And I did it. And not till years later, did I actually sit and think, wow, manifestation strong and setting goals and setting your sights on something and doggedly going after what you want. It works. And had I put on there million dollar winner, what would that have looked like? I didn't even contemplate winning the million dollars. I didn't even contemplate being the winner of the game. I contemplated yeah. final four and I attained that. So what would have happened had I set my goal just a little higher, right? After I played token chains, I told myself that I was good enough to win the game and that I would win the game at some point in the future. Mm -hmm. And I daydreamed about it a lot. Yeah. So Maybe there is something to it. Yeah. Go on little personal rendezvous with yourself and your mind and visualizing. It works, man. So at that point, you get back. There's four of you. You pretty much are knowing that it's going to be you unless you win mm -hmm. the challenge. Mm -hmm. Is that correct? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you kind of, at that point, you kind of had like played your game. You were hoping for a challenge win. But if not, it was kind of like, that's, that's it for me. That was great. Gravy, as you say. Mm-hmm. And you get voted out. Any animosity towards those three as you're getting voted out at final four? 
Not at all. Um, I felt, this probably sounds super cheesy. I felt honored to be where I was. Um, I felt like I earned it. I felt like we accomplished even it was, it was such a big deal for it to be a female final four. And yet to this point, it's the only female final four that have been able to get to the end. And it's, it's a big deal, you know, it's a big deal. And so I was, I was kind of just basking in the deliciousness of that, if you will. Um, and I was actually kind of like, okay, cool. Like I didn't go politicking. I didn't go trying to, and again, had I thought outside the box or had I had the mental capacity to think, well, let's just shake this down in case it goes to final three. Let's just have a plan in our back pocket. Would I have turned that away? No, wouldn't have. I would have, I would have entertained that idea. Right. But yeah, I was, I was, I was okay with, with how it ended and how I felt honored in my leaving. Um, it was, it was all great. I do regret the fact that I, if you remember that last challenge with the water bucket and pouring the thing at the key, I was, I was a good minute, minute and a half lead on everyone got in the water. I mean, I don't know the exact time, but they were still pretty much in the water as I was already undoing all my things, the, the, uh, wrongs of the ladder. Right. And I just, for the life of me going back to the point earlier where you start eating yourself, like your skin, body, mind, fat just starts eating what's left. I had no brain power to put my appropriate rungs in the approach. I just could not, my brain literally shut off and I couldn't do it. And I thought this is, I could have, I almost won this thing. I almost won this thing, but lost it at the ladder. So that's my only like, maybe I should have eaten more coconut in the morning and had a little bit more fat in my brain. I don't know. Yeah, but you might've been shit in your pants too then. Which that happened coconuts react to the human body that happened on the daily several times a day yeah it's so, so brutal yeah and it was coconuts riley you may not know that a dietitian who knows about coconuts will tell you maximum one or two coconuts a day is all your body can take initially but you can build up a tolerance to them the more you eat them and drink the coconut water and so uh, the best thing you can do, Riley, as you're prepping for your survivor thing is just drink like four gallons of coconut water every day, even though it's going to make you unpopular as you have to use the restroom all the time for a little while, you'll build up that tolerance. Can you eat coconuts today or can you just not stand the taste anymore? I f-ing love coconuts, bro. Really? Yeah, I love them. Because of survivor? Or is it always, I've always like that? Coconuts, yeah. I love everything about them. I love the coconut water. I put coconut milk in my coffee. I eat coconut flesh if there is some to be had. Like, yeah, I'm not turning down a coconut. Natalie, what about you? Actually, I do. I I, I do like coconut. And did did you, Tyson, did you guys call it cocoa butt? <laughs> when it's like, oh, I didn't. Got cocoa butt. Got to go. Yeah. No, but I should. Oh, cocoa butt is when you've already eaten it and it's digested or partially digested. Is that what cocoa butt cocoa is? Or bu- are you referring to the actual coconut as cocoa butt? No, cocoa butt is like when you're eating it and as you're eating it, it literally hits your system and you're like, ooh. Okay. So as you're eating coconut, you develop cocoa butt and have to go on a quick walk. And you have to go on a cocoa walk. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's it. Okay. That's yeah. It. I think I understand. Yeah. Uh, your jury question to Parv. That's all. That's my. You're like, question. and period. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So because 
because I knew she was like the flirty one and that was what worked for her and that's what she was going with. And it's kind of like the cute little eye roll, like that's Parv, that's her thing. I thought, okay, cool. Well, I'm actually going to, because she hands down had my million dollar vote. There was, there was no question. She hands down was easily, easily, effortlessly getting my vote. Okay. So how do I make this slightly uncomfortable for her and make her earn it just a little bit? Let me just put her in the hot seat and call her out and see if I can embarrass her at all. And, and just, just make her, you know, think quick on her toes. That's literally all that question was was like, Hey, so I see your, I see the way you play the game. You're kind of flirt, flirty, you're coy, you're shy, but then you're, you know, then you're assertive. Like, is this how you are in the bedroom? Like how, how does this correlate to this? Just curious. That's all that meant was just to call her out a little bit and have her earn her vote with me. And did it uh, get the reaction you had hoped for? Yeah. Yeah. She, she handled it. (laughs) She handled it. You know, you know, Parv, she's got the greatest personality. She rolls with punches and she, she's quick on her feet and she's hilarious. And she answered it exactly how I expected her to. What was your path to winning at final four was just to win out challenges to get there at that point. So, yeah. So like in the beginning of the game where I'm like, I got to keep my head down, focus, I can't control these 10 people day three in the game. I'm not going to even attempt. I kind of compartmentalize tasks and goals. So once I got to final four, because winning challenges was never like, I want to be the all-star challenge winner. So I pretty much didn't do anything noteworthy in any of the challenges. By the time I get to final four, I thought, okay, now it's switch these goals got completed. Now I got to switch into, now I'm going to have to win these challenges. And so my brain kind of switched to like, okay, now I'm going to have to actually physically pull it out to make this thing happen for me. And so that's why I hustled in that last challenge, got my key first, hopped in the water, got up to the, up to the front, started undoing my thing because it was in my mind. I'm going to have to win these challenges to make it to the end of this game. And then my brain went to sleep. That happens. Yeah. Um, Well, you had a great run. Super exciting watching and watching it back was like kind of nostalgic for me because that was one of the seasons they made me watch as I was preparing to go on the show. Um, Is there anything in the season that you wish we would have been able to see or behind the scenes that you would think would be fun for the fans to hear about? I don't, I mean, just the overwhelming shock and awe of people kissing each other without brushing their teeth for like 10 days. That's a hard, and there no. were sounds hard... too, right? There were probably sounds at night. I didn't, well, I didn't hear any of those sounds because oh, okay. by the time I got to that side of it all, see, like we didn't, kind of we didn't know any bit. of this happened until we're watching playback and we're watching canoodling and cuddling and mouth on mouth kissing. Are you kidding? Mm-hmm. We didn't, we didn't know any of that until we watched the playback months later. Um, so I, I wasn't on the tribe that would have heard any of the canoodling at the time. Right. Cause I think everything was pretty dissolved by the time we all got together, but yeah, it's well, just good. like, that's probably a scarring moment for some people. So you're probably lucky to be out of it. Um, <laughs> and finally we talked about, you traveling with heroes versus villains cast to location 
will we see you back if you get in, if you get invited? You'll feel it out at least. I think I'm I think I'm ready now. I think Okay. I think I'm ready. You hear that, Jeff Probst? <laughs> Hi, He's Jeff. one of our number one fans here. Yeah. Um all right. Uh Riley, any closing uh questions, remarks, statements, uh anything you want to get off your chest? No, man. I feel like we've covered a lot. We did. Natalie, any anything else that we missed that you want to share? Um, just thanks what for what are you up to? Your skin looks flawless. Oh, thank you. I'm in skincare. Yeah. And oh, wow, okay. Riley, to answer your question, do I use coconut? It is taboo to use coconut oil in skincare products because it clogs pores. But I literally make a product with coconut oil because I literally believe it is the freaking perfect food for mind, body, spirit, skin. So I literally use coconut oil in one of my products and I break all the skincare rules. So yeah. Rule breaker, so that's, even in her line of business. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, I just want to say thanks for having me and thanks for thinking of me to hop on here with you guys. It's been fun. Uh, Natalie, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. And it was uh, super nice to reconnect. Don't be a stranger. If we're ever in the same area, let me know. And yeah, uh, yeah. I owe you uh, at least one dinner or lunch or coffee, whatever you want. Or all three. You owe me nothing. Care. Yeah. You know, owe me nothing, but when we are, when our Paths feet cross. align in the same yeah. city, we'll, we'll meet up for sure. Okay. Deal. Thank, Thank you. you so much.